0: I went to a marvelous party. Max, most people don't even know the fact. The
1: underlying go with their ideas gut
0: don't have enough depth your to last cares an entire about entire money. <laughs> Christopher, this is only going to work if we speak one at a time.
1: Fine, you first, Eric. <laughs>
0: Live from the Sunset Strip in beautiful West Hollywood, California, it's The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, the Internet's first live comedy variety show. Featuring special correspondents from the worlds of entertainment, politics, and lousy relationships. Everyone gets served. Tonight's live cast is streaming to you through the thedinnerpartyshow.com with your hosts, New York Times best-selling novelists Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn.
1: Good evening, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to the live cast of The Dinner Party Show for January 20th, 2013. On the show tonight, we will not be talking about the two-night premiere of American
0: Idol. And with a 20% decline in viewership this season, we're kind of hoping that really soon, everyone else will stop talking about American Idol, too. In a related story, we will also not be talking about last year's winner of American Idol, because no one knows who the hell that is.
1: Also not being disappointed. Discussed on tonight's live cast, the egregious sense of injustice so many Americans are feeling over the fact that Splash, the celebrity diving show featuring Olympic medalist Tom Daly, is not airing here in the United States. While we here at the Dinner Party Show are in favor of new platforms that revolutionize and internationalize all forms of entertainment, the reason we won't be talking about this particular slight. Complaining for too long about not being able to watch an 18-year-old prance around a swimming pool in a Speedo just makes us feel a little too creepy. Mm -hmm.
0: And speaking of creepy, you do realize you can still see clips on YouTube, right? I need to go. You need to sit back down. We've got a show to do. All right, fine. During which we will also not be talking about the NRA's unconscionable use of the president's daughters in an attack ad assailing the president's lack of support for school security, and threatening the president's children. We will, however, be delighted to discuss the president's $150 million pledge of support for enhanced school security. We're not sure if the folks at the NRA are illiterate, liars, or just not fond of Sasha and Malia Obama, but most Americans and most of the NRA membership apparently wishes that the NRA leadership would just shut up, please. And Sasha and Malia's mom and dad and the folks here at the dinner party show are
1: no exception. We will also not be discussing Rick Santorum or any glib non Nonsense he spouts on the Sunday morning news shows, where he pretends to be an oracle for a political party that refused to make him the presidential nominee and has now lost the White House twice in a row, excuse me, amidst massively shifting national demographics. We will not be discussing Santorum's allegation that President Obama is, quote, a sore winner, and sore winners are worse than sore losers. Really? Mm-hmm. We think Santorum should devote his energy to fighting the rising tide of libertarianism within his own political party a losing battle that is sure to zap him of his ability to quash the civil rights of strangers and demonize people he doesn't want to understand. Go with God, Rick, the same God who didn't want you to be president. As for everything else, it's still on the table on tonight's live cast of The Dinner Party Show. And now, to provoke your spirit and begin the party, a dinner party show provocation from the right reverend evangelist Graham Crackers.
0: Good evening, brothers and sisters, young and old, all God's children who are white, middle-class, Protestant, and paid up on your dues, cause this church doesn't air condition itself, you know. I reach out to you tonight, the entitled, the qualified, the tithed, and I say to you, is that all you can give? I mean, did you see the stained glass windows? Have you toured the TV studio? Did you know we have a satellite? God is good. So is being at the head of a tax-free media empire. I call on each and every one of you within the sound of my voice tonight to show your faith, reach into your pocket, and give like your afterlife depended on it. Consider it a down payment on your place in heaven. And ask yourself, do you want a nice place? I mean, this is eternity we're talking about here. Do you want to spend the eons in a heavenly Motel 6 just off the solid gold divine I-95? Or do you want a luxury suite with a view of the pearly gates? Or maybe a mansion in the hills overlooking the city of God below? In my father's house are many blind. But what am I talking about? I'm talking about investing, not in the future, but in the everlasting. I'm telling you, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. I'm telling you that we take cash, checks, Visa, MasterCard, Discover, and American Express. I'm telling you, give until it hurts now, so that you can really enjoy death, all that it has to offer you. Hallelujah! Amen, brothers and sisters. Call now. Operators are standing by. Praise the Lord.
1: Can we have a production talk later about who we're getting to do the provocation for this show? I thought that
0: show? was very rousing and
1: invigorating I <laughs> thought so too. spirituality at its most American. And I thought it was one of the longest musical interludes behind the provocation we've maybe ever had. So we should talk to, what's his name, Graham Crackers? Yeah, evangelist you, Graham crackers. You're, you're welcome to talk to him if yeah, you want to. You hired to. him. I'm, I'm not, not talking, talking to him. To him. You hired friend, most not... of that. You hired positive thinking lady who told us we were all going to not get what we wanted because we didn't think about it hard enough. What was it? Well, have Sheila you got? Noia?
0: Okay. Well, let's have a list of the things that you have wanted. Have you gotten all of them? Uh,
1: the only thing I want is for Tom Daly's diving show to air here. Oh, we said we weren't going to talk about and it, it and it didn't happen. So, yeah. did you want that? Off? It, it did it you took a drug because you from didn't want crew. it hard enough? I didn't put it on my there vision board. There's some diving show on with celebrity diving it's called That's it that's it it's 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 called splash it's it's his version he trains celebrities how to dive are they not airing the show in this country i don't think so there is some version
0: of that i think that's actually happening here there must be a british and american it's like x-factor uk with susan boyle and x-factor america with who cares yeah
1: but isn't youtube sort of bringing about the end of all this I mean, like all these clips. I think YouTube is bringing
0: about the end of civilization as we've come to know it. End of
1: civilization. My mother, who is listening to the show uh, from the beautiful Coachella Valley, she has logged in along with many other listeners on the Facebook page. Buffy Peterson, Justin Simpson, Michael Minch, Buffy Peterson. Sorry, I read but two of your comments in a row, Buffy, and Samiko Salson. But my mother uh, has posted a review on her Facebook fan page. It's called the Black and White Review, and it's a black guy and a white guy giving a rundown. Of the Vampire Lestat that I think has to be seen to be believed. It's part of the glory of YouTube is that it gives... But
0: after tonight's show. Okay. Not right now. You can watch it after we're done. Is there something happening in the world of football
1: that I should know about? Well, I think they're still playing. How long do they play for? Is it like an eight-hour game? Because there was a game earlier today. Oh, God, I have no idea. Like,
0: it says, like, there's not very long on the clock. I think it's like... 45 minutes okay. is on the clock, but but they take forever. I, it, it can last an infinite amount of time because they just keep stopping. Mm-hmm. I, I, the main thing about football is stopping. That's what drives me so crazy. They Everybody lines up, and then they do something, they hide the ball, and you can't tell where it is, and then it's over. And then they stand around and scratch themselves and talk about it for 15 minutes, and then they do that again. So it takes like, yeah, I think it takes forever. But- Like with the, the Super Bowl is the only one that I ever have any sort of truck with. And why is that?
1: Well, the commercials are really good. You record it, and you fast-forward through the game and watch the commercials. Absolutely. The commercials it hurts are the really good. the heart of most straight men when they hear you say that. You fast-forward no, through think that's the game very, I think and that's watch
0: very, the commercials. No, I think that's very heteronormative. I, I don't I know mean... that there aren't... You know, I don't think, that, <laughs> well, I don't don't think that's the fair. Why would here. it be straight men?
1: Football fans. Fine, football fans. Okay, I'm playing dumb. I know what's going on in the world of football today. What I know is that the 49ers <laughs> are going to the well, Super Bowl. i playing. The 49ers. I'll steal your mints, and you won't have any mints for the show. <gasps> Welcome to the Dinner Party Show. It's our radio show. We put whatever male. we want in our mouth before we go on the air and chew it while you have to listen. The 49ers are going to the Super Bowl, and there were eruptions throughout the city of New Orleans because the 49ers were playing the Falcons, and New Orleanians hate the Falcons. They are the, the bitter rival, the Dirty Birds, they're called. And so I was following oh, some God some sake. New Orleanians on Twitter, and they said they just erupted with cries and screams of joy when they found out that it was the 49ers and not the Falcons going well, to the ball.
0: I, I just have to say anything that makes people in New Orleans happy is okay by me. Those people have taken it on the chin again and again. There was not an oil—if the news wasn't an oil leak or a hurricane, yeah. then
1: great. Absolutely.
0: You know, the Falcons is Atlanta, right? They have everything in the world you can possibly imagine. Absolutely.
1: They have Tyler Perry.
0: We're not really worried, right? So eventually they'll even have everything in the world we
1: can possibly imagine. Absolutely. So we have a special programming note as if you're following us on Facebook, which you should be at www.facebook.com slash The Dinner Party Show for the two people left on earth who don't know the web address of Facebook. Uh, We notified you earlier today (laughs) that Patricia Nell Warren, who is scheduled to be here, is unfortunately battling a cold. And that that's how she put it. She and, says, I am battling a cold. And
0: having met Patricia, I don't give that cold much.
1: <laughs> no odds on the cold. I'm definitely, my money's on Patricia. Absolutely. So she will be joining us in February. February 17th will be our live cast, our, our first live cast after two very special shows that we're putting together for you. And she will be with us then. And to, But tonight we have... Gorgeous model and activist Ronnie Crowell, I Who believe. Who seemed
0: very healthy when I saw him earlier, so cross your fingers, guys. I hope that that's this rampaging flu epidemic I Absolutely. keep hearing about doesn't take
1: them out in the lobby. Absolutely, and he is here with a filmmaker, Elliot London, and they are here to discuss an anti-bullying uh, campaign that they have started called the Friend Campaign, I believe is the right Uh, term for it, and they're going to have a link for us to put up later on our website and on Facebook for you to contribute to this campaign. Um, But they're going to be here to talk about it. And then, for dessert... Marsha Clark is coming back. She's coming back to counsel me on a very, very serious legal problem that I've been having. And if you want to find out what that problem is, you have to stay around for dessert.
0: Yeah, it's going to be tough, Christopher. But I think Marsha can walk you through this one. I think I'll get through it. Thank God she was free.
1: So I understand we have a rather uh, rather incendiary report from Brett Gargery this week, our news correspondent. Uh, You
0: know, because usually he's so calm and level-headed. He's so fair and balanced. Right? He's
1: so reserved. Let's uh, let's hear what Breck has to say. TDPS News takes you live to Breck Artery from the debris-strewn red carpet outside the Beverly Hilton Hotel. Breck?
0: This is Breck Artery coming to you live from amidst the aftermath of last week's Golden Globes outside the Beverly Hilton Hotel in Beverly Hills, California. As Christopher pointed out during last week's dinner party show, the Globes evening is a smallish dinner party held in the ballroom of a smallish hotel to acknowledge the awards presented by the Hollywood Foreign Press, a very, very small group of people. Arguably, the Golden Globes gets more attention than might seem warranted given the size and significance of the minuscule electorate represented. Were it not for the fact that they happen at the beginning of Hollywood's award season, the Golden Globes might be little more than the local press club event that they in fact are. It's sort of like the Iowa caucuses. No one really would care if there was anything more important to talk about. The talk of this year's Globes was surprisingly not the red carpet fashion faux pas, nor was it the fact that Ben Affleck, snubbed by the Oscars for Best Director, picked up Best Director and Best Picture honors here, beating out Steven Spielberg and Harvey Weinstein. And since Ricky Gervais didn't host, the talk also wasn't about the celebrity bashing host. No, this year, the big talk was about the acceptance speech of the recipient of the Cecil B. DeMille Lifetime Achievement Award, Jodie Foster, traditionally an overly long snooze fest during the tipsy ceremony. This year, however, Ms. Foster electrified the audience or at least woke them from their wine-induced nap when she apparently felt compelled to address all of her life achievements as she paused to reflect on what, given her early start in the business, has truly been a lifetime. Pointing out that she valued her privacy and felt entitled to more than is typical of the current leaked sex tape subtlety of most celebrity self-promotion, Miss Foster did address her whole life. In what was clearly a personally terrifying moment, the actress again demonstrated her willingness to leave it all up on the screen and bare her soul to the best of her ability, removing any doubt about the sexuality she has long hinted at but never confirmed so publicly before. Naturally, large numbers of sanctimonial Assholes felt qualified to judge and comment on the quality of Miss Foster's coming out speech because they munched box or smoked bone, though many during only an experimental period in college. One loudmouth drag queen who came out in a Broadway show about a loudmouth drag queen coming out felt free to condemn Miss Foster for not using the words he wanted her to use, while another child star has been condemned her for not giving him credit for coming out first. This reporter is reminded of the sickening spectacle that followed the tragic death of the Princess of Wales many years ago. In the midst of the royal family being forced to deal with a very private tragedy very publicly, many media hairdos felt free to condemn the queen for not grieving for the death in her family in a manner that they thought appropriate, as if it would ever be any of their fucking business. One wonders if we've missed an opportunity in the media here. Perhaps instead of obits, we should send reviewers to family funerals to attack people when they don't hit arbitrarily established marks in the way they demonstrate their private grief to even the most casual stranger. Miss Foster, in the process of accepting her award, introduced her children. The woman, her ex-lover with whom she is raising them. She went on to explain that she had, in fact, come out many years before to the people who were actually a part of her life and entitled to that information. Out and proud, she called it, but that was not good enough for her critics who thought how she came out was any of their fucking business. One wonders where these critics were when out-and-proud gold medalist, Olympic diver, Matthew Mitchum, was virtually ignored by the same network who aired Sunday's Globes when he won his surprise victory, breaking all records and beating the odds in the Beijing Olympics. Yet, just as that same network ignored Miss Foster's former partner seated just a few feet away, even as Miss Foster spoke of her Sunday night, the network did not show one shot of Mitchum's partner also there to support him or even Mitchum's medal ceremony. And where were Miss Foster's critics when Academy Award-nominated movie Troy blithely rewrote the 2,000-year-old gay romance in the Homeric epic to suit modern prejudice, or when best picture winner Beautiful Mind simply didn't mention that the subject of their biopic was gay and had been arrested for having sex with other men and had been divorced from the wife depicted in the film as his savior for nearly 40 years, though she was in fact still his landlady, something they also didn't mention. Nor was there hue and cry when an American Olympic diver whose name this reporter will never mention in public came out not when he might have been an inspiration to young gay people, but. But when he was so washed up it was his only remaining career move and the best way to sell his book. No, Ms. Foster's critics waited until it was more appropriate to vent their wrath on someone brave enough to talk about her years of silence on the topic of her sex life as she came out during an international broadcast in front of her children and her professional peers while accepting a Lifetime Achievement Award. Well done, brave critics. Just to be clear to those who've been so hard on Miss Foster, this reporter would have stood up to those who might have derided you for coming out while appearing in family programming or by giving the impression that all gay men wanted to dress in drag and are filled with self-loathing. Your story is your own, and you should be applauded for it. I can only hope that you might find it in your hearts to applaud others for telling their own story as best they can and save your venom for those who would seek to silence us when we finally find the guts to tell the truth about ourselves. In short, let's encourage one another to come out of whatever closet we might be in and be whoever we are. Till next time, this is Breck Artery wishing you good night and good dinner.
1: You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. The Dinner Party Show will be the judge of that. Welcome back to the Christopher Rice Show. That was my rendition of I Am What I Am, recorded at Tulane Junior Lyric Theater when I was 13 years old. Wow, Christopher, that was really loud.
2: <laughs> it was really,
1: I am what I am,
0: Eric. Uh, and loud is apparently <laughs> what you are today. Actually, that was Linda, is it Eater? Eater,
1: yeah, yeah. an amazing singer. Love her. My Love mom just ordered every CD of hers, I bet, online, because she's listening. Oh, yeah. that's great. Well, so, good. Great song. Okay, welcome to the hors d'oeuvre section of the <laughs> evening where I print oh, out. Our website, so we get a <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we have a store that we need to remind people about on our website. And it our store, support page. the show if you. Buy stuff from the store. It does. It helps. We get a, a small percentage of all of those sales. Both of our books are available. All of our books are available for sale through our store. Uh, we also have guest products tonight. We have uh, Ronnie Kroll has appeared in multiple movies, and two of them are for sale in our store. In our store, excuse me. Excellent. Yeah. So we're we're beefing up our store. We get we get carried away by tea and current events and TV shows we forget to do the little housekeeping things here I, on the dinner party I think party we show. need to do
0: Valentine's decorations in the store because you know how they in all the stores they do the, all can the decorations the about now? a year um, but can you stores, be in the moment but Valentine's but in, Day but in stores like as soon as Halloween is over Christmas rolls right in like you oh, have to yeah. be like six months in advance of any holiday we could probably put up 4th of July decorations in the store now and be in keeping with retail
1: that's great okay this is our show so I'm gonna make a 360, <laughs> 360 degree turn no that would be a circle Right, 360 yeah, that degrees. Would,
0: well, it would be a turn, but yeah, it would be a really complete one. This is the
1: part of the show it's where Eric, Eric brings in what he wants to talk about, which is usually something either very serious or very light and fluffy and British. And I bring in something I want to talk about, which is because either aliens or airplanes. Such bastions of light and fluffy. They, I've seen Downton Abbey. They just float around and fluff, fluff, uh, fluff. fluff. It's all very fluffy. Abbey, okay, w- fluffy. I, we, we have major um, news in the world of aviation this week that we need and to Christopher has a serious addiction problem. It's not an addiction problem. I just like planes. I like flying and I like watching documentaries about plane crashes. I don't know why.
0: Oh, for 12, 14 hours at a time. Absolutely. There's nothing unusual about that.
1: No. Isn't that how you spent New Year's this year was watching planes crash? That's how I spent whenever I wasn't working on my book. Is, was watching. Not watching or, planes crash, or watching TV you, shows about planes crashing. Or whenever you were supposed to be working whenever I was your supposed to be. Someday I'll write a book about a plane crash. So what a about these planes, okay. Christopher? here's what's happening. The 787 Dreamliner, which is the newest uh, major passenger airplane to roll off the assembly line in either of the major airplane manufacturers, Boeing or Airbus, has effectively been grounded worldwide. And this is because there are grave suspicions that the lithium-ion batteries being used on the planes are causing problems. Now, lithium-ion ion batteries are sort of the gold standard for super efficient high energy uh, batteries that can be quickly recharged and what they're in the case and of the they seven, can also set fire to your laptop. Right. And there are some <laughs> very serious concerns about these batteries, and they have just been cleared to be used in the in a major airplane. This is the neck this is as large as a triple seven. The concerns
0: are actually about the batteries are so serious that it is illegal to transport lithium-ion batteries on a plane that's carrying passengers. So they had to get an exception to that rule to yes. be allowed to use the lithium ions on the Dreamliner. So they're problematic but it's the batteries, not really the plane, right? That's the point.
1: Well here's the deal. It goes to the heart of what the plane is supposed to do because the plane is supposed to be super fuel efficient. It's supposed to consume 20% less fuel than the average plane of an equivalent size. okay so and the batteries are key to that happening. So if that doesn't work, the whole sort of the point of making it so are you Eric? Eric wake up. Wake, Eric! I think it's the audience we're going to need to wake up. Look, I like talking about plane you stuff. You stepped
0: on the cat, Christopher. Watch you, way... I told you not to bring the cat. You, you told me not I to bring did. the cat? I I told you not to bring the cat. Is somebody here
1: allergic? Okay, it's clear that I have been shamed out of going on for the next 30 minutes about airplane geek stuff.
0: But the point is, what are you pro or con Dreamliner?
1: Uh, I am I am in favor of fuel efficiency in airplanes. I think that all airplane safety issues usually come down to a perspective issue uh, that it doesn't actually apply here because there are very few of these planes in the air. When you have scores of a certain type of plane in the air and there's a safety issue with a device on one of them and we all freak out and suddenly they all get grounded – I think it's necessary, but I think people overreact. There aren't actually that many seven eighty sevens in the air right now. And so if there's an issue with three of them, it's pretty serious. And I think everybody's recognized that but it it's but it's a new
0: plane, so they're figuring it
1: out. Right. But absolutely. the only
0: issue is really these batteries keep catching fire, which they will actually do in your laptop computer as well. And these batteries are everywhere. They're on your phone, they're in your right, that yeah. to me seems the bigger issue. Like right. what about my Prius? Is it going to burst into like I don't have a Prius? You don't have a Prius. I have this Giant old pig iron um, Mercedes convertible. But, right. But people who do have uh, lithium ion battery cars, don't they? Aren't they all? Powered the Chevy by
1: the- Volt is powered by a 400 pound lithium ion battery, oh, one of which God. caught fire spontaneously and caused a big, you know, kerfuffle. So yeah, these these are some serious issues, and I think the technology needs to advance in this area. But how I,
0: large was the kerfuffle,
1: Christopher? You know what? You how can, many pounds was you know that what, particular? I'll, I'll just hand this segment over to you now. I'll, you can just talk. What do you want to talk about? And, Downton
0: Abbey again? And now a word from our sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> We're out of time at the hors d'oeuvre this week. I was going to talk about the new spring season of television, but uh, but we got a, We managed to really cover the battery thing. I think sort of once it. For all
1: tonight, lithium-ion batteries. Okay, all, right. all well, right. Really,
0: we we got it yeah, right. Absolutely. And I actually, I would like to go on record as saying I'm actually in favor of the Dreamliner. It's an American-made plane, and I would like, you know, for us to continue to be able to make planes in this country. And I don't think we ought to, like, queer the whole deal. You should forgive my use of the term queer, <laughs> over, um, over um, batteries Yeah, that will actually set fire to your Chevy Volt or your laptop. I, that doesn't sound like the plane's fault.
1: No, it doesn't. It doesn't sound like the plane's fault. And I think once this issue is looked at more closely, it will, um, oh it will roll out. But I, I don't want to put you to sleep. And every time you say 787, it triggers me to talk for 15 more minutes. So we're going to go to a word from our sponsor, and then we will be joined by our very special guests, Ronnie Kroll and Elliot London, here on The Dinner Party Show. At night, she walks the streets of Hollywood because it's what the director told her to do, and they don't really have the budget for a location shoot so they just use a handheld camera while she glances longingly at passing traffic.
0: L.A. is so big and so easily filmed, and I'm so lucky to have a job that
1: isn't at Jamba Juice. By day, she's a marginally trained, aspiring actress who only took this gig because she needed something for her reel. Also, she and the director attend the same yoga class, and they bonded over being the only two people in it who didn't like the Avengers now, after a lot of cocaine and a Kickstarter campaign that didn't reach its goal, their incredibly low-budget handheld camera film has finally made it to YouTube. It's Hot Prostitute. The exact same story of the exact same preposterously good-looking hooker that's been turned into an incredibly low-budget movie by millions and millions of struggling filmmakers who work at gyms all over Los Angeles. I'm a hot prostitute, but I
0: pout whenever I talk about it. And that's how you know I don't want to be a prostitute
1: for longer than the next 90 minutes. You get in, you get out. You don't get emotionally involved with the clients.
0: Mm, But they're also hot. Except for the scary one you sent me this morning who looked like Louis Anderson.
1: That was Louis Anderson. He needed the work. Hot prostitute. A film you only saw because you chatted up this really cute guy at your gym who made it clear he wouldn't have coffee with you unless you went on YouTube and watched his movie and thought of something nice to say about it. Hey, I'm really attractive and a little bit nerdy and really sweet, and there's no real reason for me to hire a prostitute, but can you come over to my really beautiful condo for an hour or two and do tender, intimate things that give you a welcome reprieve from the sick kinky crap your other clients are making you do
0: i don't know you seem kind of amazing and i'm not supposed to get
1: emotionally involved with my clients yeah but if you don't the movie won't have a second act i guess that's true my quirky assemblage
0: of unrealistically attractive clients kind of filled up the first
1: yeah was that louis anderson hot prostitute a film in which almost every pivotal scene takes place inside a parked car in a motel parking lot. After 90 minutes, it caterwauls towards an emotionally overwrought conclusion so shot through with unexamined puritanical judgments of human sexuality, it will have you longing for the blasé attitude towards sex workers espoused by many of your gay friends. Hot prostitute.
0: Is it pilot season yet? dinner party show with christopher rice and eric shaw quinn soup's on
1: and now it's time for astrological <laughs> advice from twan Kingdom. queen of the stars
0: hey twan queen of the stars here with the real dirt on what the constellations are up to and how you can read the science before they read you don't be so two-faced gemini As the sun moves into Aquarius this week, you may find yourself feeling a little bit rebellious or just downright contrary. That wild Aquarius hair tickling you where the sun don't shine will have you wanting to socialize but not feeling like fitting in one little bit. You might find yourself wearing white shoes to a formal occasion and mixing stripes and plaids like a farm boy come to town just to tweak the nose of anyone who might be looking. This week is all about trying new things. It's a great time to network, but only if you're open to new ideas. If you have to have it all your own way, like Taurus, well, then you might just as well stay home. If you're open to it, Aquarius can bring innovation into your life with new and creative solutions to old problems unless you're too bullheaded to consider another point of view. For most of us, this is a great time for serendipity as chance meetings and coincidence align circumstance to bring the perfect person into our lives at just the right moment unless that person was born under the sign of the bull, in which case, unless you're planting a garden, you'll just wind up with a load of the same old fertilizer they were peddling the last time. So, in the coming week, stay open to new possibilities, keep your eye on the horizon, and watch out for Tara's same old low-flying bullshit. Till next time, this is Tuan reminding you to watch out for the stars. listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for The Soup, brought to you by your perpetually victimized gay brother.
1: I will have you know that I am writing a play about all of you.
0: The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. Okay, now
1: we can talk. Oh, welcome oh back to the Christopher Rice Show. Oh, hi, Eric. Oh, my God. Really? <laughs> Christopher Rice talks about airplanes. <laughs> that would be, if you weren't here, I would just run <clears throat> loose and no one would listen. It really? would be one of those podcasts. That's what would happen? Podcasts. I would be the Huell Hauser of airplanes. So I really would. So you could
0: do that when you get home tonight. Okay. You Absolutely. could start your own
1: fringe We're going to start a podcast, And if
0: it's a bigger hit than this, hey, <laughs> we'll
1: you can take over the studio. Out.
0: I'll stay home and, you know... Yeah. Live in the style to which I have become accustomed uh, We actually have
1: two guests here that we're completely ignore- ignoring. Well, I'm Excuse not me. completely ignoring them. I keep looking over to see if they're laughing at us. They aren't, so we should probably start I interviewing them. I guess so. Them. Maybe
0: the audience isn't it. Ronnie
1: Kroll. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? Ronnie Kroll. Okay, and in the Entertainment Tonight clip that we posted on our Facebook page, the woman completely mispronounced your last name.
3: Unfortunately, she didn't do her research. Yeah. <laughs> but we love the folks at Entertainment Tonight. We Absolutely. love them very much. Absolutely. And Elliot <laughs> London, a
1: filmmaker, and your, uh, what's the title, producing partner for the Friend Campaign?
3: Actually, we're both co-founders of the Friend Movement, okay. and Elliot is the director and writer of Friend Film. And Excellent. this isn't
0: the Quakers, this is its own <laughs> thing, right? <laughs> and it's pronounced a <laughs> London. London. <laughs> <laughs> how does nancy odell pronounce it <laughs> we should call it <laughs> la,
1: la, la. oh never mind okay. we're mainly talking about ron let's get some information about the movement in before eric drives us right off the tracks um so the- which is my principal job vice president in charge of derailment. A derailment so i maybe you guys should start with how did you all meet um, Grinder.
3: <laughs> that's this is where West all great Hollywood. movements begin in West Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, we met through mutual friends. We have a friend named John Nelson. <laughs> and that's what they always say when they met through Grinder. <laughs> honestly, so, it was Facebook that put us so together. So it was a three-way?
4: Yeah, it was a three-way. Yeah.
3: It nope. was. And we have a friend, John Nelson, who's involved in the film industry on the East Coast. And he saw some of Elliot London's work. And my work, and he said, you guys have similar passions for the work that you're doing in the world, and you guys need to meet at some time. Mm-hmm. And we sat down to coffee.
4: See, the thing is, we're both only children, we're both Aquariuses, so it's a perfect match. And, uh, you know, Ronnie has... <laughs> we would with so. himself. <laughs> Ronnie's dream is to create an awesome visual campaign. That's real life. And my dream is to create an incredible narrative film. And we thought, how do we brainstorm and do this together? And uh, we came up with a hybrid. We, we've we made a narrative film that brings art into real life,
0: which is why we call it the Friend Movement. Let's take a step or two back Ooh. and talk about what the founda- what that vision is, mm-hmm. what the foundation's about, and what you guys are trying to get across. And then we'll talk more about the film.
3: I mean, it's really quite simple. When it boils down to it, at the end of the day, the goal of the Friend Mill. The friend movement. <laughs> Whew, I'm going to have another <laughs> cocktail. We're getting them drunk, folks.
0: Live and direct
3: from the Nancy Hotel School of dinner
0: party. <laughs> it's
1: contagious, I tell you. I'm drinking um, tea. <laughs> the,
3: the, what it boils down to, the friend movement, is nothing complex. It's not rocket science. It's, it's, uh, it's about being better friends we can prevent bullying and and save lives Mm -hmm. and it's as simple as that like reminding us how to be better friends and what that looks like and we do that by producing awesome projects that are entertaining and educational we're leveraging our social media that's available to us today which is phenomenal and we're building global relationships to do that as well Mm -hmm. and one of the main projects is an anti-bullying photo campaign that's called the new f-word And it's going to be edgy, and it's going to be fun, and it's going to get the attention of the bullies, which I think is the most important thing we need to be doing. We need to get their attention, have their respect, and then I think we have the ability to teach and to evoke human compassion. And then the other component, which is phenomenal, Elliot has written an incredible script called Friend that I think is going to... Truly, be an Oscar award-winning piece. Whoa! Wow! <laughs> I hope the foreign press is listening. <laughs> you know, they're the
1: Golden Globes. Right? Yeah, I yeah. do.
4: Yeah, There's all twenty of them. You're right? Ninety-three. Right. Ninety-three. Yeah. Like that. yeah. yeah. Um, it's a- no, it's it, it's. Um, I think we're in an incredible age right now because social networking is, you know, at a point now where we can really do great grassroots movements, and no longer is the world so far apart from us. You know, so our whole goal is to really incorporate. As many people as we can, mm-hmm. and uh,
0: yeah, I mean, if you can overthrow Egypt,
1: it would be great. If oh, we yeah, can no. cause people to get along better using our uh, Twitter account, so talk to us about what the photo campaign actually looks like. Is this similar to the No Hate campaign that we're familiar with, with the tape over the no. mouths, or is it, it how is it different? So,
4: um, the thing that's different about this is that we are not focused on an LGBT issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Bullying encompasses all types of people, even popular, beautiful people. And so we want to show every type of individual. And so we're not trying to just focus on one topic here in California. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's provocative. I really can't give it away because we haven't shown it yet. Okay. But it's a bit
1: vulgar, enough to get everyone's attention. Okay, interesting. So that's what you mean by edgy.
3: It's edgy in so far as... you know, we're gonna capture people's attention, but it's not like an angry campaign, if that makes sense. Right. Like you know how like some campaigns are coming out there like really strongly and very angry. We're not right. I think it's important for us all to be upset and to be angry. And it's okay to be angry because we have a bullying epidemic on our hands worldwide. And it's what we do with that anger, how we leverage that into positive action that's gonna make all the difference. And we've been talking and talking and talking about it, and we've had great examples with the no hate campaign, the right. It Gets Better campaign, right. and we're paying homage to their work, and right. we're only hoping to take it to the next level. Right. We don't claim to have all the answers. Right. In right. fact, we don't. Right. But we're just going to continue the conversation. We, Excellent. Have to start we somewhere, are,
1: are going to continue with the two of you after this short word Why from one of our sponsors, and we'll talk to you about uh, your definition of bullying.
0: Are you tired of scented candles that only allude to romantic environments? Are you tired filling your home with the smell of lilac or bergamot when all you really want to do is fill your bed with sin. For those of you looking to light your wick and cut to the chase, the folks at Resting Home Aromatics have a brand new product line that promises to be suited to your most intimate needs. Introducing
1: Licked Wicks. I had a third date with this amazingly hot banker, but I could tell he was nervous about taking the leap in between the sheets. A mutual friend had told me he was into footplay, so after I got him back to the apartment, I lit my big toe candle, and he was on me like a baby goat in no time flat. Sarah and I have been married for 15 years, and I'm not sure when she decided she liked me completely smooth, but I think fashion magazines are to blame. Anyway, that said, when things start to slow down for us in the bedroom, I just light one of my dried shaving cream candles in the upstairs hallway, and she comes floating up those steps like a charm snake.
0: Our Licks Wicks candle collection helps you and your partner on your desires by bringing you the fragrances associated with the act itself. Some of our most seductive scents include bleached undershirt, rock burn, armpit with fading deodorant, bourbon breath, garlic breath, weak Listerine and slippery remote, and for the more Sexually adventurous among you, there's a Lichtwix the edgy line featuring the toe-curling aromas of Crisco, Crystal Meth, and Seagrove. Who needs to pretend they're strolling through a rose garden in the south of France when all you really want is to go down to the dirt? Light a Lichtwix candle tonight and fall in love
1: with the... Welcome back to the Dinner Party Show. (laughs)
0: where we're having a great deal of difficulty being quiet when we're supposed we to. We
1: really are. There's the show that gets on the air and then there's the show before. and We're just like Oprah. We, we really, really are just we're like all Oprah. Sitting Should I tell around my around dining story table. Oh, yes. Would you? Because it's been, I think, two episodes since you've I told love that, that story. Oprah story. I'm not going to tell the Oprah story. Oh, Our guests are Ronnie Kroll, correctly pronounced, and uh, he needs <laughs> to have his headphones turned down. I actually, we and have the controls And Elliot London, and together they are partners in the Friend Movement, which is, is that better going to launch a photo campaign very but, soon, and is raising money for to produce a film called Friend, which Elliot has written and will presumably direct as well. Absolutely, and which you, Ronnie, will b- perform in.
3: Perform and produce, close on,
1: absolutely, close on. Yes, so this is an anti bullying movement overall. What is your working definition of bullying? We were talking, we've talked about this on the show a bunch in the context of different sort of news stories. How do you define it?
3: I mean, there really is so many types of bullying, and I think. Elliot and I as artists are trying to share stories at the end of the day, like cross-sections of what's going on across our country and the globe like with people that are not being respected. And I think we have to teach others how to treat us. I think that's very important. Hmm. I think we need to show them how we want to be treated because a lot of times they don't know that. Mm -hmm. And I think if some of these bullies could understand the hurt that they're causing, I think it would be if we could tap into that human empathy quality that we all have, I think that we would be able to experience so much more success and reduce this rate of bullying. Mm -hmm. Bullying is disrespecting someone, treating them the way they don't want to be treated, calling them names hurting them physically or emotionally mm-hmm. i mean there's all different types of bullying but the one thing that elliot has experienced personally firsthand and this is what really drew me to elliot is that we sat down to coffee and he shared his experience going on the road across the country and talking with bullied teens and i want elliot to talk to you a little bit more about that because mm-hmm. that was really powerful
4: my definition of bullying is that it's uh we, we we've uh, we've It's evolution. We've gone from being more physical to psychological, and Mm -hmm. we are psychologically horrible to people. And uh, you know, especially with the the internet. Absolutely. Just going, I was thinking I wanted to ask
0: you that. um, It allows that sort of mask. It it separates us enough that people feel free. It's like road rage. It it creates enough of a separation that people feel free to just say anything. And and they. They don't
4: understand the repercussions, especially emotionally. And all of us, I know, have been victims of um, bullying cyberly and also of our own community. And I took time this summer to travel across America because we all live in these microcosms of these incredible cities where it's very safe. And we kind of forget that our sexuality or our race is really part of our life. And I went on the road and went to nine states in a month and really tried to talk to teens and really understand what's going on. And and it's still pretty bad out there. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? I think yeah, one of the hallmarks
1: of bullying for me is the frequency of it, right? You know, like let's say we're grownups and somebody says something really shitty to us in the course of our day or they post something really shitty on Facebook, on our Facebook page. We have the sort of time to recover and sort of talk about it with our friends. But a, particularly a young person in a school environment every 20 minutes they're getting hit with something psychological like that. It's relentless. And they don't have the recovery time to sort of regroup and they don't have the skills because they're possibly a young person, you know? So that to me, and that's what the internet also creates. We talked about a story where um, Justin Bieber fans ganged up on this nonprofit because they were angry about something that an actor who was working with this nonprofit had said, a sort of throwaway tweet. And they just began deluging this nonprofit that was dedicated to, I think, bringing clean water yeah. to African villages with all these hate tweets go to hell, shut up, you know, and it effectively shut them down. And that's something that happens on the internet all the time. That sort of, I had it when I weighed into the Chick fil A controversy. I had hundreds of people telling me I was going to go to hell. And you want to say to yourself, this isn't really real, these people don't know me, but it starts to have a cumulative effect when you can't get a breath. You know what I mean?
4: It's true. It's true. I mean, I've been living in Nashville most of this, most of 2012, and there aren't a lot of places to eat. And on Sundays, we will go to Cracker Barrel. And I posted a photo that I went to Cracker Barrel, and I was ridiculed by my by my community. And I had to explain that you know Cracker Barrel has reformed, right? And uh, it's not the early 90s, and they hire LGBT staff. Oh God! And also, you know, other races. But I I think of an example when I was a kid, (laughs) and. um, I was spit on on the school bus Mm. and I I was traumatized. And I just remember the kids that saw it happen. And I think now in 2013 that someone could have took a photo of that and it would have spread before I even was able to comprehend
1: and understand what happened. I could see where kids have huge difficulties. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's something my question is, is it? It has the instances of it. The number of instances increased dramatically. Or are we just able to see it now because of social media and because of the pro- proliferation of handheld cameras and things like that? Are we just more aware of something that's been going on the whole time? I think
4: uh, honestly, you know, as especially as men, have we how we've advanced in our masculinity and we're more comfortable with more things. We're more comfortable talking about this, right? And it's much more of a water cooler subject. I think Tyler Clementi's suicide mm-hmm. really bought the topic to light, mm-hmm. and I hope that we don't that people don't feel like we are too over-diluted with this
0: topic. Right,
4: right, Because absolutely. it still
1: needs to be talked about. Absolutely. Well, Elliot London and Ronnie Crowell are going to stay with us for another little bit, but right now we're going to take a little break and we're going to hear from if our if you have questions for them, relationship, you should post them
0: on the Facebook page absolutely now. Absolutely.
1: Post your questions for both of them on the Facebook page. Maybe somebody will ask about Ronnie's appearance in a certain magazine. I don't know what they're talking about. They're already posting about that. Time magazine. Time magazine. <laughs> <laughs> right, man um, of the year. Vanity Fair. (laughs) But right now, we are going to hear a little bit from Jonelle Sams, our relationship expert. Oh, she always has something pithy to say. It's time once again for the Dinner Party Show's Homemade Relationship Advice with Jonelle Sams.
0: Hey, this is Jonelle Sams with Homemade Relationship Advice. If you have a relationship question, you can send it to me, Care of the Dinner Party Show's Facebook fan page, or at jonelle at the com. On Homemade Relationship Advice on this chilly January night, we want to talk about how to keep all your wedding vows it's a pretty tall order when you think about it. We pledge to be there for better or worse, but frankly, who'd want to go when things are better, and where can you go when things are worse? And as for richer or poorer, well, that's kind of the same thing too, isn't it? I, I mean, why leave if you're rich, and where can you afford to go if you're poor? But in sickness and in health, now there's the yellow jacket in your Fanta can, if you ask me. Clearly, if you're sick, well, Where are you going? But if your beloved is sick, well, you're not going to leave unless you're just a complete sack of cow pies like that monster Newt Gingrich who seems to leave sick wives for new ones all the time. Still, even if your heart is true, it's hard to take care of someone who can't take care of themselves. This flu epidemic has put us all on edge here recently and reminded me. Merle, my husband of 22 blissful years, cuts hair for a living. That means he's got no choice about who's coming into his shop. People who wouldn't think of going to work or a social occasion and passing on a cold, the flu, or worse, think nothing at all of dropping by Merle's for a little trim when they're contagious. So, living with Merle has been like living with a first grader who's been held back for 22 years. Lordy, if there is so much as a chill passing through Poison Creek, my Merle will bring it home to me to mend. And if he and his best friend Olson Lee Pugh get off on one of their camping or fishing excursions or attend one of their antique or theater conventions, well, you know my Merle will be bringing me home more than an airport snow globe. And for all the fishing he does, that man has never caught a fish but he's caught most everything else. I once overheard Olsen chastising Merle. He said the reason Merle was always sick was because he was so devoted to kitchen cleanup. News to me, my Merle is a good man, but I've never known him to so much as toss a salad, let alone clean the kitchen. But who knows what strange habits he gets up to when he's on the road. Why, the last time Merle was sick, I told him he was such a fan of kitchen cleanup. There was a big enough opportunity right here at home. His coughing fit was so bad, we had to like to take him down to the emergency clinic. Anyhow, my point is I've got plenty of experience on the whole in sickness thing. Now, I can keep homemade chicken soup ready to go in the deep freeze, but after the third or fourth bout with Merle and the creeping crud of the season, I've got about one nerve left and Merle is usually standing right on it in a pair of freshly sharpened golf shoes. I swan. In the early days, I confess to you, I thought about doing more with Merle's pillows than fluffing them. But then I remembered that it isn't just the bride and groom who took vows at my ceremony. I don't know about your wedding, but at mine, there was a part where they asked the entire audience, and with Merle's business and community theater reputation, that was a nice chunk of the population of Poison Creek. Anyhow, the minister looked right past us and asked if the congregation would support Merle and me as we tried to keep those vows to each other. I know that he said it more flowery than that, but that's the root if it's not all the petals. And you know, they most all must have said yes because all those men's voices raised together nearly knocked me off my feet. It was a lot of men there, but you know, Merle only does men's hair. And then I remembered looking across past Merle at the loving and supportive look in Merle's best man's eyes. Well, of course, you know, it was Olsen. Well, sir, I tell you, Right then and there, I called Olsen right up at the hardware store where he works and he was at our house before you could say boardfoot. He had flowers, such a gentleman to know how hard I'd been working. He had armloads of groceries, vitamins and cold cures, and massage oils. Who knew Merle would be so responsive to massage therapy? I don't know that it made his cold any better, but he was so easygoing after he'd had a session with Olsen that about all I'd have to do was keep the soup pot and the batteries in the remote fresh. Those two do love their movies. Nowadays, when Merle's sick and I've reached my limit, I just call Olsen up. I tried doing the massage thing, but honestly, Merle and I got so embarrassed and then we got to laughing so hard, I was afraid Merle was going to have another of those coffin fits. Anyway, Olsen just belongs on Merle's back. And of course, we return the favor, what with Olsen still single, I don't know when he and that girl's PE coach are going to make it official, I stick to soup and they take care of each other. And it's 22 years later, in sickness and in health. So I guess my point is, if you're married and struggling to keep your vows and stick around rather than cut and run, well, just remember, you and your husband are not in it alone. I bet there are plenty of members of your wedding party who'd love to help you take care of your husband. (laughs) I don't know where Merle and I would be today without his best friend Olson's big,
1: strong hands. If you have relationship questions, write to Jonelle Care of the Dinner Party Show Facebook page or to Jonelle at thedinnerpartyshow.com.
0: Take your vitamins, Callista.
1: The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. The dish is served. Occasionally,
0: we here at the Dinner Party Show like to take you other places besides our dinner table. That's why we've called in former Texas travel agent Tanya Lee Musgrave to give us a rundown on her latest journey.
1: You've lost some of the attitude since last time. Let's not
0: start there, huh, Tanya?
1: Well, where would you prefer we start, Superior (laughs)
0: Sam? I thought we might... Point out that you and your widowed friend, Mr. Donald Drummond, don't often travel to places that are hotbeds of controversy, but this oh, week...
1: Oh, nah, no, I don't know about all that. We do travel places that have all kind of culture to them, you know, like Galveston mm, and Reno, but I guess we I don't see. often travel to places that are just downright dangerous.
0: And this week, you went to the Holy Land, I hope. Where? The Holy Land, Tanya.
1: Israel? Oh, for Christ's sake. They'll just call any old place the Holy Land now to get you to buy a package.
0: Tanya, did you go? Please tell me. You well, actually... beforehand,
1: I did a little research is what I did. And oh, as dear. it turns out, Israel has a very interesting history. See, apparently what happened is that one group of people had been there for a very long time. And then for various reasons, they just kind of spread out like a flock of quail after a gunshot. Do tell. And then all sorts of bad things happened to them. So they decided to come back. But the problem was when they came back there were other people there now just kind of wandering around in the sand getting a tan. Kind and of. and now these people who came back I think they were well, they were they were kind of like Barbara Streisand, you know, they were Jewish. Anyway, they said to the new people who were there now, "Why don't y'all go live behind these fences to make this easier for everyone cuz you're scary." And well, the new people, oh. they got very sore about that and I have to say I understand cuz I don't much care for fences that haven't been taken care of. Like my neighbor, for instance, he put up this mess. He says it's pickled wood, but honestly, he's just too lazy to put some real varnish on it. And so I've got to look at it every day with my morning coffee. I do swear to God.
0: Okay. Wow. So that's an interesting encapsulation of Middle East history you gave us there, Tanya. But- Moving on to your trip. Yes,
1: well, before we move on, I should probably mention that everything that happened in that area over time has got something to do with the Bible. Now, I would like to be a Christian now and then, but I've never been much of a church person. I guess I'd call myself a, a Methodist, but mostly I go for the potluck, and I'd that's a lot that. of Filipino people. But they're perfectly nice, and they're right good cooks. But I sure as hell don't want to fly 14 hours just to go to church. What? Uh, so what prompted
0: you and uh, Mr. Drummond to visit uh, Israel?
1: Uh, well, really, I think what it came down to is that Mr. Donald Drummond, he read those left-behind books where Jesus comes back and kills everyone he got mad at while he was dead. Jesus. And he said those books told him the world was going to end in Israel. And so he wanted to go there. Now, that made me nervous, to be frank, because when he said that, I thought it meant he wanted us to be there on the day he thought the world was going to end. And I wasn't much interested in that. I mean, if the world really is about to end, I just want to be with my dogs. But he said, no, that wasn't it. He said he thought the world wasn't going to end for a while. He just wanted to see where it was going to start when it did. Well, uh, That makes
0: sense, I
1: guess. And,
2: you know, I I have to say it was important for
1: me to hear him say stuff like that because I was having a lot of nerves about this trip. And I do mean... A lot of nerves. Well, talk to us about that, Tanya Lee. What, what were you so afraid oh, of? Oh gosh, you know, there's a lot of blowing up that goes on over there, and I just I'm do not so. want to get blown up. I hate them. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a strong woman. My people came mm. down in wagons from Oklahoma and ate crows to stay alive. Ugh. I mean, I come from good stock, and no. I'm not afraid to die. I mean, if it's your time, it's your time. If I have to go in some big pileup on the expressway or if God sees fit to serve me some of that E. coli spinach, then so be it. I will accept it. But I just do not want to get blowed up. That's it. That's the best I can say. Well,
0: I think that's perfectly understandable. I... We all have our thing. Frankly, sometimes I get a little claustrophobic. Actually, this is kind of embarrassing for me, but one time I was in this elevator. Oh, well, I don't
1: need to hear all about you're crazy. I just don't want to hear a loud boom and then turn around and see both of my arms flying 10 feet away. It just doesn't seem like a pleasant way to go, okay? Yeah.
0: Okay. Whatever. At
1: any rate, it was all for naught.
0: What does that mean?
1: Well, what I mean is we had a little incident and we were unable to enter the country uh, of Israel. I knew, unable to
0: enter? You're kidding. What happened?
1: Someone forgot their passport. You forgot your passport? No. Mr. Donald Drummond forgot his. Wait.
0: Wait. Don't they make you show your passport before you get on the plane here in America?
1: They do, and we both did. And what happened was he lost it on the plane. On the plane? Yes, sir. He lost it on the plane.
0: Was he using it to eat the in flight meal? Well,
1: you'll have to ask
0: him. He lost it. Well, he's not a guest on this show, Tanya Lee. You are.
1: I'm asking you. All I know is that we were standing in customs at Tel Aviv airport, and he opened up his satchel to take it out, and it wasn't there. And all of a sudden, all these little Israelis with their big chunky glasses were looking at us like we were about to blow up their country. So they took us to some room, asked us a bunch of stupid questions about our boring lives, and then put us back on the next flight home. I swear to God, they're the most nervous people I've ever met. I've met Miss Texas winners who didn't spend as much time thinking they were the center of the damn world. I see. How interesting. I don't much like your tone, sir. Yeah, well, I don't much like
0: your story.
1: What do you mean by that? I mean, I don't think Mr.
0: Drummond lost his passport. I think someone reached into his bag during the flight
1: and... Oh, you're pos- damn right I did. I took it myself and I hid it. And when we were back home, I put it back in his satchel in a totally different pocket. Why? Because I wasn't setting one foot more than I had to in that godforsaken country. Only reason I agreed to go was because he threatened to cancel our Alaskan cruise if I didn't say yes. I hadn't read but five articles about Israel online before I had had it with the entire country. All those people fighting to the death over a scrap of sand that ain't got a drop of oil in it. I'd like to send all of them to their rooms and put them in a timeout for 10 years until they calm the hell down and sides Jesus wasn't even from there my sister Delinda sent me a book last summer that said he was from France this has been a very difficult report for me to do
0: I can see that
1: I apologize for raising my voice well thank you and I apologize to the people of Israel who I will never visit as long as I live.
0: Yes, well, I'm sure some of them will be eager to share their thoughts about your words today on the dinner party show's Facebook page. I can't wait oh, for that. Lord, something like that.
1: Well, I better go now. I'm going to have a lot of explaining to do when Mr. Donald Drummond hears this here, broadcast I think you might. All right. Well, good night, y'all. Travel safe and, you know, don't forget your passport. And don't let Tanya Lee anywhere near it. That's enough now. I'll say. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for The Dish, brought to you by your mother, Mistress of Guilt. That's okay. Go
0: ahead and step on my
1: foot. Why would I need to walk anywhere? I haven't been any place nice in years. The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. Oh, that Tanya Lee. Mm, that guilt trip mother sounds like a drag queen. Really? Yeah. Drag queen. Did huh? you do you know her? Do you know who <laughs> who did we have come in to do that? I don't know. Welcome back to the Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Derek Quinn. I'm Christopher Rice. And you're yeah, Eric you, Shockley. I certainly am. and You, you s- still are. I'm still
0: not Christopher Rice. I'm sorry. At least you didn't introduce it as the Christopher Rice show this round. That
1: was my my shtick from earlier. Shtick is a comedy word. It's really funny. It. It's really a riot. Ronnie Kroll and Elliot London are still here with us at the dinner table. we been... locked the door and they kept <laughs> out. Desperately trying to leave.
3: I'm so happy. I'm <laughs> well really libated. Out. So why would
1: I
0: ever want to leave this <laughs> show?
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Hydration—it's all about
0: hydration, Ben. <laughs> we're
1: getting Marcia Clark libated. She's in the green room and will join us later in the evening to discuss my very pressing legal problem. But right now, we're talking about the friend movement. If you two will get it together, <laughs> laughing into well, your they tea look like over friends. there. Friends—they're working on the friend. Part. Absolutely. We have questions from our loyal listeners on Facebook. F- uh, Buffy Peterson would like to know: What would you recommend for the prevention of cyberbullying, and what should you do if you are a victim of it? I think if you
4: have the guts to say something negative to someone, you need to sign it with your name. Right. right. But oh, if, but but if, but if you're, you're, you're the victim of, oh, if you're of the victim. Bull- I mean if mean, you're on the bully side. I mean, yeah. if you're a victim... <laughs> <laughs> We're giving <Yeah>. out tips <laughs> for bullying. Nobody's this asking t- for advice on how to
1: bully people.
3: <laughs> <laughs> this is <tea's> very strong. <laughs> We've got that down pat on the dinner party it's show. Very strong tea. I mean, I just, as, as someone who has been bullied, and, and we all have been bullied at some point or another, I just don't think you can fight Fire with fire. Mm. I think if you are being bullied, if you can understand that whatever is being projected your way has nothing to do with you and everything to do with them and the experience they're having, you can distance yourself and you will no longer be emotionally affected by the bullying
1: And that's the other piece of your movement, right? The friend movement is about teaching people how to be a friend. It's not just about being upset about bullying. It is. It's
3: about now if we're angry about the bullying that's going on, let's do something about it. And let's talk about the actual everyday things no matter where you are in the world that you can do to be a better friend. Because let's think about it. When you're a good friend, what does that mean to you? What is that definition? It means I support you in your growth as a person trying to learn. We're not perfect people. No one is. Mm -hmm. We're on a journey to try and figure out the human experience, so why not get past the superficial differences that we have, whether it be the color of our skin, the religion that we practice, who we fall in love with, and let's unite together as human beings. Why do we have to have aliens invading from outer space in order for people of the earth to come together as one people? Jesus fucking Christ. Right. Are you talking about Scientology? (laughs) No, we are not talking about Scientology. Don't get me started on aliens. It's my other thing. Oh, no. But,
1: no, it's an excellent point. I think, though, there are some—I don't—do you guys know who Jackie Beat is? Yes. Jackie Beat's a very sort of famous, very funny, scathing drag performer. Uh, Jackie tweeted a few days ago, We will no longer have movie reviews because Lady Gaga has decided they are bullying. There, <laughs> there's some anxiety among adults about talking to one another where I think some of us are afraid. We don't pull any punches on this show. And we're afraid— I think in some respects of being accused of bullying, if we say something that is critical of, say, a filmmaker
3: or their work, you know, so There's, there's a difference between constructive criticism and sharing your own taste and owning it right. rather than projecting that onto someone else and owning your perspective. Right. Because yeah. we're all entitled to that. I think that's the beauty of our country. And right.
0: nobody here is being anonymous, I will say. There yeah. is none of that sort of hiding Unless you're on Grindr internet. and then there yeah. is some... The, well, yeah. but, yeah, for, but for, for the purposes of the show... After <laughs> the show is another uh, story. By the
1: way, every show we do somehow gets back to Grinder. but anyway. They should, some, be, they they should, should be paying sponsors. all of us. They, yeah, should, they, really, they should really talk to them about that. Absolutely. <laughs> well, before we talk too much about Grinder, we have a word from one of our sponsors, and then we'll be back with Ronnie Kroll and Elliot London talking not, about Ray the Harmony. Friend Movement and Grinder. Are you crazy?
0: Yes. Yes, I am. Coming this spring to USA, the network that crossed the line on quirky detectives so long ago we can't even see it from here or remember exactly when it was we crossed it, comes a new detective show that frankly even we think is a bit much.
1: You are insane! You
0: say that like it's a bad thing. She's a paranoid schizophrenic. What do you mean I'm taking it too personally? No, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. Would you like something to drink? No, thanks. He's so
1: OCD he gets on Tony Shalhoub's nerves. Okay, first we'll talk to the widow. No, 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 no. Oh, for, for first we should alphabetize these files on the case. Nah, strike that, we should catalog the evidence. Nah, I better wash my hands, that's it. First we should sanitize the doorknob so I can go wash my hands before we decide what to do first. He's a compulsive liar. I regret to have to inform you that your husband has been murdered.
0: What? Oh, God, no. Who would do this?
1: Do what?
0: Murder my husband.
1: Your husband has
0: been murdered? You just told me he'd been murdered. No, I didn't. She's a sexual compulsive. I know it would make you feel better.
2: What are you doing? Grief
0: counseling.
2: With your hand down my blouse? You're in
0: shock. Your husband was just murdered. I did not say that.
2: Don't touch me. Your hands are
0: filthy. Did someone say, Filthy. I did. Stop accusing me of things I don't remember doing. No, I don't. If I say that again, I'll kill you. Coffee, anyone? At the USA Network, our slogan is characters welcome. But maybe we should consider locking that door. For now, don't miss our latest Twitch fest, Personality Disorder Detective Agency. Coming this spring to USA. How hot is that coffee? Don't touch me! Only six episodes left until the spring season finale. And coming in June, the summer season premiere of Personality Disorder Detective Agency on the USA Network. Characters welcome. Coming next fall, stories.
1: Welcome back we to hate the dinner to come party to Elvis show. Costello but we we're having such a good time had such a good time we faded Elvis Costello's song that Eric picked we have a fan question. <gasps> I'm sorry. We have a fun question from Justin Simpson, our most loyal listener of all. Not to make the other ones feel bad, but Justin has been drawing renderings of our special correspondence for us. We love you. Yay, Justin. He would like to know, Ronnie, he loved your video that you did for Andrew Christian for the holidays. And would you consider doing more of their popul- popular social videos? Just talking about those videos makes me overklempt. Excuse me.
3: <laughs> well, not many people know this, but my beautiful boyfriend actually was the videographer for all of those oh. amazing videos. Cool. And that's actually where I met Sean Cool. on the set of uh, of Andrew Christian. And I would be happy to do more videos with them as they'd like to do videos with me. So well, he y-
0: saw you in your underwear and it was just magic?
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> you can only sleep your way to the middle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there was much sleeping. Um, so okay. We, we have that a covered. serious question from Justin as well. He'd like to know of both of you, when the Friend film is finished, what do you two plan to do next with the campaign?
4: Well, the goal is to hopefully be finished and in distribution by end of year, beginning of 2013, and we want to make it available to uh, also for free to educational institutions and also organizations, so students and uh, people of the community can rent it out, see it. Free. I mean, and it's, I think it's it's imp-
3: important to us not just to go into the film festivals and to have be in theaters, but also to take it to the schools and to take folks like Joseph and Ali that that um, Elliot took so much time interviewing and bringing them into the schools, so that they can see youth that have gone through what they're going through now. Well, that's and it, a great It's idea. here and now, and they can Face be, to face. Yeah, face to face and know that there's hope, that it does really, truly does get better. And we want to work with a task force of educators. And, I mean, educators are very important to me. I, I think teachers are the greatest thing in the world, and I think they have so much power every day as they're with their kids. I think it's important that we work uh, create some workshops around the film to go tour the schools. Absolutely. We have
1: people sharing opinions and thoughts on this conversation on the Facebook page. Page and some of them, like Haven Lee and Jealous, I hope I pronounced your name correctly, Haven, are saying that they felt like being bullied turned them into bullies. And I think you said earlier that part of this campaign was about actually reaching out to the bullies. Is that is that correct?
4: It's true. I mean, when I was across the country, I met many people that turned into bullies because they were bullied, and that's what happens. I think you revert. Um, You try to figure out, well, maybe if I become the bully, then I will help. I will be safe. I won't be bullied. Right. Uh, it's it's a very interesting cyclical circle, you know,
3: negative. It is a vicious circle, and I think when you are bullied, I think uh, you're trying to find some sort of control if you're being bullied at home, or if you don't feel good about your appearance or who you are. It's it's a quick fix to having some sort of power or feeling of control. And the last thing we want to do with this movement is villainize the bullies. Because we realize that the bullies have been bullied themselves. So what Mm -hmm. we want to to do is talk about the fact that sending a bully to detention for actions or behavior so that they can sit there and stew and think about how they're going to get retribution or vengeance against the original victim or the teacher that put them in detention, it's not doing any good.
0: And sometimes negative attention is just attention. I it mean, is. It's it just attention. It part and so, of the problem.
3: Uh, like I said, Elliot and I don't have all of the answers, but what we want to do with this friend movement is focus on a positive way to keep the dialogue going and we want folks out there to embrace this movement, and they already are. On Facebook and Twitter, folks they're changing their and, middle name and to friend and the friend. website
0: goes live this week this Tuesday right
3: the website right? goes live this week tuesday friendmovement.com is that correct right what resources will
1: the site offer
4: the site will have um, will have content on about the film about the movement also we have a page because we've had over 600 people donate You know, even a dollar, two dollars, and we want to recognize everyone that's helped us. Oh, that's great. There's a wall
3: where people can— We've been so lucky and blessed from people around the world who have seen this vision. And it's exciting because it's organically beginning to take shape, and everyone that comes to the table to add value to it is only making it larger than life and more than Elliot and I could have ever dreamed when we first sat down to coffee in West Hollywood.
0: Well, I think it's something that touches everybody's lives in one way or the other.
3: Well, it is, and I think, Christopher, you can relate to this. Especially because Elliot and I Although we happen to be Men that happen to be gay We're not gay men and we don't identify just by that label and that's what we're trying to do with our work. We're trying to build bridges and we're mm-hmm. trying to reach out and talk about diversity and celebrate that diversity. But at the end of the day, we have so much more in common than we do different. Well, and it's interesting
1: to- you know how many aspects of bullying the conversation includes. Eric pointed out I think in the second or third season of Glee that as much talk of bullying as there was on that show, there was really no dealing with the bullying that happens over obesity. You know, Mercedes, who's a very sort of full-figured girl, it was depicted as just sort of sailing effortlessly through the social structure of the high school and ended up with one of the more attractive male cast members. And I remember you, Eric, saying, are they going to address this at all, that this is happening to young women? Because that was always the group, in my experience, that I saw getting bullied as much as the gay boys was, was the overweight girls, you know. And so – It's interesting. I think it is um, a good approach that you guys have, that sort of organic community building, because then you don't leave anybody out. You sort of let them come to you and join the conversation.
4: What's great about the photo campaign, because it's called the new F word, which F stands for friend, we we substitute the word F from faggot or freak or Or fat you know, <laughs> or, or, or whatever that's but is. fat, you know, so we are encompassing not just LBGT because it is much more than LGBT, you know, sure, the right. issues are, are much broader and bigger. And it all really comes down to if we can help people really accept themselves, they will be more accepting of others. And that's how we build
3: friendships, which is so true. Because if you think about, fear itself fear mm-hmm. is so limiting and we fear and we hate what we don't understand but if we could learn more about it right. and we could ask more questions right. i think that's what this friend movement is about it's keeping that conversation going so we can at least share our different perspectives with one another and i think it's something that well you know john lennon would be behind you know i mean imagine what if right. we could all be friends you know and will we ever completely get rid of or eradicate bullying maybe not but at least we can tip the scale Exactly, but isn't that how so many people
1: try to sort of bully us out of pursuing a lofty goal? Well, you'll never get a 100% solution. Well, at least we'll bend in that but direction. But that's the
3: negativity right. that exists in their mind, and what, what is reality? Perception is reality. And but wouldn't, just it, because wouldn't
0: it be wonderful if it was an exceptional thing, if people went oh, bullying? Oh, dear. As opposed to, oh, well, that's high school. You right, know what I mean? Right. If, it, if, it, if we could at least get it to a place where it was something that would occasion comment or surprise people to see it, that would seem to me to be a victory.
3: What we want people to do is to be able to look in the mirror and see that reflection and give themselves a hug and say, I'm enough. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: I am my own validation, Mm -hmm. and thereby I can respect everyone else around me. I may not always agree with them, but Ellie and I want them to see the beauty that they are and to respect that beauty in every single person around them. That's why Lizzie Velazquez, our incredible guest who is suffering from a medical condition that only three people in the world are known to have. Three Fif- people in the world. 58 pounds I wet. can't wow.
0: believe that people would bully her. I just it, That's just astonishing to me.
3: Known as the ugliest woman in the world by bullies because of her outward appearance which she has no control over. Mm-hmm. Yet she is the most powerful woman. Two-time author has come out with books Talking about be beautiful, be yourself, be you. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. And she's come to help us this weekend with our photo campaign. And thank you, Christopher, for being a part of our campaign. I'll be there tomorrow. I'll be there tomorrow.
1: Thank you. And thank you, uh, gentlemen, for coming. This has been a great discussion. It's really engaged our listeners on Facebook. We will post the website again. The Friend friend Movement.com. Goes live Tuesday. Goes live Tuesday. We will have all the links posted on our site as well. Thank you very much for coming. We bid you adieu you, and boys. good evening. And for our listeners, we have another installment of our series, Audiobook bestsellers.
0: Thank you. And now, in keeping with The Dinner Party Show's commitment to celebrating literacy and the written word, we bring you an exclusive excerpt from one of this week's best-selling audiobook titles the latest hit from mega best-selling writer James P. Rubicon, author of 16 novels per year since 1995, some of which he actually wrote himself. His latest novel is the thrilling conclusion to his best-selling trilogy, a trilogy that began earlier this year with the number one hit, Smell the Darkness. It was followed up a month later by its sequel, Taste the Darkness. And now we have the thrilling conclusion, are you sure that was
1: darkness? Chapter six hundred and thirteen. Oh, my God! Lydia Washington, the sympathetic black detective, cried at the top of her lungs. The corpse of the new bride and groom lay face down on their wedding bed, their faces covered in piles and piles of pudding. Oh my god, Lydia thought in italics. Who would have thought something as sweet and innocent as pudding could be used to do something as horrible as kill a bride and groom on their wedding night while their two puppies were leashed to a chair and forced to watch? The irony here is so incredible and grotesque, I can't help thinking about it in italics. Chapter 614. Lydia Washington, who remained sympathetic and black and hardworking, crept closer to the bed where the bride and groom had been suffocated with pudding, which is normally a dessert popular with children, but here had been used to murder innocent people. She was almost to the bed. Chapter 615, Lydia was still not quite to the bed, but her gun was raised, and the bride and groom were still dead from pudding before her in the very, very nice hotel suite on the top floor of the very expensive hotel that only murder victims and bad people could afford a room in. What's that strange ticking sound, Lydia thought in italics. Chapter 616. Lydia turned to look at the frightened puppies still leashed to a chair where they had been forced to watch their owners be drowned in pudding. Oh no, oh mama, save me, she thought loudly. Not the puppies, sweet Jesus, lordy mercy, not the puppies. Chapter 617, the puppies exploded, one after the other, filling the very nice hotel room with dog fur and chaos and fear. Lydia, still sympathetic and black, fell through the shattering hotel room window and into the night air, thinking of her dead father, who had been a very earnest black reverend who had taught her everything she knew, including how to meet Jesus. Chapter 618. Lydia felt a tug on her hand and looked up to see the pilot of a news helicopter, who also happened to be her ex husband. He was holding her by one wrist as she dangled high above the big bad city of big buildings. You all right, baby? He asked her. She wasn't sure what to say. They hadn't seen each other since the first installment in this trilogy, when their different careers had caused them to have the same three-paragraph fight over and over and over again. Also, she was hanging from a helicopter over a big city, which didn't seem like the best place to discuss her failed marriage. Oh, girl, she thought to herself in an uncharacteristically urban tone she hadn't used for most of the novel. You sure know how to pick 'em. The fact that her ex-husband had just rescued her from falling 30 stories to her death seemed completely lost on her. But this chapter is already too long, and the ghostwriter's kind of straying from the outline here because he's had some wine. So, let's bring this one back in for a landing before the reader notices. Which the reader probably won't, because if they started reading this when they boarded in New York, the pilot's probably giving the landing announcement for LAX by now. Chapter 619, Lydia's reporter ex-husband, who knew how to fly helicopters, pulled his ex-wife, with whom he often used to fight, into the helicopter which was very loud and windy and hovering very high above the burning hotel that had been set aflame by bombs placed inside of puppies. Because he was a black character, and this was a novel written by a pandering rich white guy, her husband's name was DeAndre Tyrone Lamarcus Washington. What the hell happened inside of that giant burning hotel, DeAndre Tyrone Lamarcus Washington yelled. He killed them, Lydia gasped. He killed them with pudding and he forced their puppies to watch. And then he placed bombs inside the puppies and blew it all to hell, goddammit. The pudding killer? The one who kills schoolchildren but only if they're wearing a uniform? No, that was the last novel, DeAndre Tyrone Lamarcus. Oh, the one who ties up the owners of seafood restaurants and dumps them in their lobster tanks so that the lobsters will gnaw them to death? That was the first novel. God damn it. Focus, DeAndre Tyrone Lamarcus. The one who kills newlyweds? That's the one, the pudding killer. But now he's changed his M.O., and you know what that means, don't you? He'll be harder to catch? No, we'll have to change his nickname back at the station. And if there's one thing cops hate more than anything, it's changing a psycho's nickname.
0: You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for dessert. Brought to you by your sister's new husband who's had way too much wine.
1: I mean, everybody's cheated at least once, right? I I, I mean, am I right? The
0: Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it.
1: Welcome back to the Eric Shaw Quinn Show. I'm a friend of his <laughs> who is not allowed to identify myself by my full name. We've been um, practicing bullying <laughs> <we've> been pra- <laughs> during, during the break. <laughs> We were joined Do earlier a practical by demonstration. Ronnie Kroll and Elliot London. They were talking about the friend movement, which is an anti-bullying campaign and a, and a multi-fold anti-bullying campaign. But now, as we have been teasing all evening- It's Surprise Guest. It's Surprise Guest. Um, I went to push a hotkey, and it was all the wrong ones. <laughs> we have been talking about my very serious legal problem. Very serious. I've been dealing with a, this issue for, for weeks now, so ever since I received something in the mail. The surprise
0: is Marsha's, So not, we,
1: we've brought in yours. the legal expert of surprise, all legal Marcia. experts, our resident we legal expert. We want free expert, legal
0: consult.
1: Marsha Clark surprise. is here. Marsha,
5: hey.
1: I have jury duty. Oh. oh. <laughs> It's like I
5: the do? plague. Well, what have you God. done to have jury duty? Now that is serious. <laughs> <laughs> that is serious. Take two aspirin.
1: <laughs> Speaking as someone who has some experience with juries, what should I do to get out of jury duty that's legal and ethical? You know, that doesn't involve just lying, you know.
5: You know, you put all these constraints. Now I can't
1: <laughs>
5: oh, well, All these conditions. Be... you oh, now <laughs> we can't lie. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be the only one, but fine. If you want to be ethical about it, just tell the truth. And, you know, that, but that may not okay. work. I mean, if you walk into the courtroom and they say, okay, we're going to have you on this case where it's an assault with a deadly weapon and— and a guy um, beat up some other guy. Mm-hmm. And can you be fair? And if you really can be fair and you say yes, then you're probably going to get stuck there.
1: Right, and, you know, and that's right? the thing, and that's where people start to perform, right? Like, like they'll be like, "Well, one time I saw a guy get really angry, and it upset me, and so this trial I'll be biased, and I have a job, I have to get back to work," you know. And and do lawyers even like buy into that, or do they pay attention? They're like, "Okay, just because we have a friend who uh, worked for the, I believe it was the public defender's office, who who said, you know, with DUI cases, everybody had had some DUI story that they began." vomiting out during voir dire is it called voir dire yep very good and he said and his attitude was like "All right, just shut up I won't pick you but is is that is that an accurate view into the lawyer's head yeah Yeah. happens
5: all the time and you have people especially when it is something like DUI where it is a common experience everybody's had a drink and driven and at Mm -hmm. one point or everybody I shouldn't say everybody not me I never have (laughs) ever no one here of course and I know you guys haven't either absolutely not never we're gonna do it right after this anyway Once. But but I walked. But everybody, <laughs> I <laughs> hiked. for just that reason. <laughs> That's why it took me three hours to get here, man. I'll tell you, people it's are hard. brutal in West Hollywood. Long, yeah, but yeah. they. I think. When it comes to those kind of crimes, everybody kind of there, but for fortune go I, um, it gets harder to find jurors. But when you talk about something like murder, you know, I mean, you may have, you know, most people haven't committed murder who are going to be in the jury pool. And if they are,
0: they're probably not going to admit it, even during voir dire to get out of, Unlikely. just to get out of jury duty. Unlikely.
5: Although, Although it, it happened to me that... Did it? Oh, you know, uh, yeah. I, I killed was,
0: somebody, so I probably wouldn't be a good judge. Yeah, like. you know, In I the voir dire, was, they in, answered the lawyer.
5: Answered. Did you that arrest fact, them as they were... Were the <laughs> well, uh, oh, I man. didn't. I did not know, but, not but I mean, no, they said them. you know, I was investigated or my brother was investigated. I had one guy, um, write down that, um, I can be fair in this trial, of course, the DA's office unfairly investigated me for arson, the Malibu fires. Oh, dear. yeah, yeah, right. and then but but and they were awful and they were like Hitler and they were this and that, but I can be fair, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so I, I was a little skeptical of that, but if you tell the truth about how you feel. Um, especially – the more heinous a crime, the less likely you are to actually have a personal investment or you know a personal experience that makes you biased. Right. Then what?
1: Right. But, I, OK, I've been in twice now, and I feel like everybody – like the judges and the lawyers are all hip to the fact that nobody wants to be there and so they're a little cynical about Absolutely. they're like, they're like yes. you'll be fine you'll yes. get over it. You they know? do
5: and they do and they'll push you and right. they push you and push you are you sure you can be fair? I really think you can I really think you can and at most at, at some point most of the jurors will cave in and say yeah I can be fair and then you know it's up to the lawyers whether or not My best yeah. defense
0: has always been telling the truth they find out what my experience is and who I am and they're like yeah could you get out please? Could you yeah Get out of what the courtroom What parts of
1: your experience would well, those be? I mean? tell
0: you my favorite was the time that I went in and they asked, have you ever been the victim of a violent crime? And I said, yes. And they said, well, could you explain? And I said, you you want me to tell you about all of them? And they were like, uh, Okay. All of them. So then I began (laughs) talking. Well, I was robbed at gunpoint and I was mugged and I had somebody break in the house with it. You know, like this whole list of things. And there was like this stunned silence when I got done with the end of what turned out to be quite a lengthy explanation. I'd never really done it all back to back before. And the judge looked at me and went, is that all? And I said, well, well, I certainly hope so. <laughs> and,
5: and the defense like, attorney probably bounced like, you out of there so fast. Was, thank you yes. so much for
0: coming by like this like afternoon, Mr. Quinn. If you would like to get out of the building as fast <laughs> as you can, that would be great with us. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like it was the whole – like I remember them asking me something about the gun. You know, did you know what kind of gun it was when somebody was pointing – and I was like – you're really not paying attention to that. It's like that's not what you're paying attention to in the moment when somebody is pointing a gun. Well, at no, you.
5: and that's what the eyewitness identification experts are always saying yeah. f- the weapons focus. You know, mm-hmm. when the person is pointing a gun in your face, you are not studying the gun. If you're smart, you're studying the face of the person right. holding but, the gun because that's what will tell you. To you're, you're also get shot. not
0: studying that either. You're no, trying that you're like, to remain you can, standing and yes. Keep breathing. Right, and pay attention to the instructions so they don't shoot you. But, yeah. To get
5: back to your problem, Chris, (laughs) you know, (laughs) your quote-unquote problem. My legal issue. Yeah, your legal issue. That's what it Mm -hmm. is. You can also get out of jury duty by talking about who your friends are. For example— me. That's what
1: I right. was going to ask her for. Her. I said, well, my very good friend, I don't know if you've heard of her, Marsha Clark. I'm yeah, Typhoid she Mary. Involved, she was involved in a very high profile, and we talk about, and I share all of her opinions on everything. See, there you go. So, Boom, and
0: you're so out. The, yeah, and, and I would throw in that she was just a guest on your
1: radio show. On my show, radio show, show, where I will share my opinions of this trial once uh, I'm, you know, released. Oh, um,
5: yeah. Okay, see, right? I mean, yeah, you just hit on the both I mean, that's what I that's mean. That's a double whammy. You just whammy. tell whammy. the truth. Right, you, not only do you if you
1: you always think you're going to get called up for, like, the OJ case, but then you get in, like, the one courtroom I ever really (laughs) had to go in, it was like... This man was maybe seen with his pants down at this cafe, and this ca- And you're like, oh, this oh. isn't even going to be interesting. Uh, the worst one was, you know, Nevada Light and Power versus some big insurance company. Oh. And I remember the attitude I copped with all of them because they wanted me to be an alternate, and it was going to be a three month trial. Oh my yeah. god, oh that's yeah. hell. That's and I hell. was like, I don't know. This may be a civil suit. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know anything about it, the insurance industry. I don't believe that citizens should be deciding these. And you could just see the judge getting sick of me as I. Was- <laughs> Going on. Because I was under deadline for my novel Blind Fall and yeah. I was stuck there. You know, and I or I was fearing that I was gonna be stuck there, for but they let months. me go. Thank I, God they let
5: you go because three yeah. months as an alternate. I mean, talk about you know, it's a third wheel on a blind on, on a it's a third person on a blind date or whatever. Right. You don't even get to deliberate get to, as though that's some big gift. But, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Well, you know,
2: it's the so perfect man. thing.
5: You've got friends in 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 weird places. Yeah. And you know, you also have <laughs> and, and, uh, it'll work. You you have the radio show. You can. I'm right. out, all y'all. Yeah, I will I'm gonna get on my show. By the way, and while you're at it, would you spell all your names? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm but, writing them.
0: But yeah. I would also like to say, on the flip side, being a juror, while I'm not crazy about, it, I would like them to reform the way they treat jurors. Like I think there should be a nice, comfortable room with snacks mm-hmm. and. They're getting better. They They actually had Wi-Fi (laughs) and whatever. That one uh, courthouse that's way downtown, they just need to close. That thing's just gross and scary. That is a um, scary courthouse. But, but yeah, I've been asked to sit on the marble floor out in the hall for an hour while they do a motion or whatever. That I'm not crazy about. But the actual act of being a juror isn't so bad. Right. You know, I remember I got to... Did somebody
5: actually was, let you be on a jury? I
0: was I was actually on a jury once <laughs> when I was still working. <laughs> You're yeah, right. How do you
5: slip After through? After they heard
1: the, the,
0: the inventory? The, yeah. two, the two juries I managed to get on, the defendant didn't show up for one. That was a long time ago, and they just went, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, Ugh. 12. You're the jury. Because there was nobody there to question, and so they. and I will say they did a really good job of being fair. To the person who wasn't there to defend himself because he had been arrested in this really bad part of town and I wanted to know what he was arrested for, but that wasn't what he was being tried for. He was in possession, they thought, with intent to distribute 102 pre-rolled joints, which I was like – Wah, wah, you know, yeah. uh, which didn't which didn't add up to an ounce of dope, which I was like, really? Those were some pen That's Some really that's cheap, a, ass. That's a cheap <laughs> joint. But um and then the other one was a civil suit, and I guess they decided I was still working at USC at the time, and I guess they decided I was I can't remember how I ended up. I blacked out and when I came to I was on that jury.
3: <laughs> I
0: don't know. That's an eighties comedy right yeah. there. That, that <laughs> the, Blackout yeah. jury. That was the one where I simply the judge I sent a note to the judge as a juror that said. Would it be possible to charge the lawyers with anything? (laughs) And she wrote wrote me back and said,
1: sadly, no. (laughs) (laughs) At least she's in my court.
5: (laughs) Well,
1: I'm glad we've all come together over this national tragedy known as my jury duty summons. Are you all aware of this online video orientation they make you do now, which Uh. takes about an hour? It's it's about four different videos. I did it the last time. It's hilarious. It allows you to go in later, but literally, I couldn't. wanted to pause it so I could do screen captures for Twitter and Facebook, but I couldn't because it won't let you pause it. Um, But they show someone dressed inappropriately and she's like in sandals and a halter top that says guilty and big (laughs) shorts that are not the right size for her. And then it says, because everything is subtitled, kind of like an episode of Honey Boo Boo, and there's literally a line that was on the screen that said, many jurors remain in touch with one another after their service.
3: (laughs) That does not happen.
5: That, that's actually that would a, be the one. That that's you a threat. Would, of course. I don't mean to be cynical. You can get a tank top that says "Not guilty" and you balance out the universe. I'm, <laughs> with I'm, yeah. with <laughs> I'm with guilty.
0: I'm with
1: guilty. I'm with guilty. guilt-free? Guilt-free. Well, we want to remind our listeners that you uh, have several books for sale, and they are available in our store. Yay! Yeah. So if you go to thedinnerpartyshow.com and click on our store page, you will find. I believe we have the second in your. Rachel Knight series. Guilt
5: by degrees. Guilt
1: by degrees is in there. And so yeah. you, do you miss practicing law at all? Do you miss the courtroom? I'm still room? practicing.
5: Yeah. I, I miss the courtroom. Miss no, the courtroom. not anymore. I did for a while. At first, when I left the office, it was very weird not to get up and go to court every day. You know, mm-hmm. that, that was my life. And then, um, but I have to say, it was kind of time for a change. The kids were really young. It was good to be able to be home with my sons and and have the time to really be a mom kind of for a little bit. And I still continued to miss it. And so when I started covering the cases for, like, Entertainment Tonight, I wound up sitting in the jury box next to all these reporters and stuff, the same right. ones who were covering the Simpson case. It was wow. very awkward wow. for some of us because I was not in love with all of them, right. as you can imagine. I Talk bet. about it. Yeah. I would bet, yeah. I we bet. were talking about fair comment, but they had a lot of comments. Yeah. <laughs> and some so, of them were just,
0: like— her hair, really? Yeah. That You think that's, that's what something I mean. you want to talk that's about? What, exactly. Yeah, it
5: was it was Criticize the closing argument. Crit, you know, whatever. But right. my hair? There's, anyway. Right. But sitting there and watching the DAs actually do their thing, and for a while I really was like, God, I want to go back there. I want to be mm-hmm. back in the mix. And then I kind of got over it. Mm-hmm. And then I wound up practicing appellate law, which is all writing. You don't go to court really, except for right. very rare oral argument. And I I really like that because it keeps my hand in and keeps the stories fresh, and I'm I'm staying abreast of how things are still being tried. And it's in the very courtroom.
0: cutting edge in the law.
5: In in some respects, yeah. well, as far as appellate law goes, yeah, you really have to be a, on top of the law. Yeah, but it's nice because you read trial transcripts, so I know how what's happening in courtrooms today. So when I deliver it in the books, like Guilt mm-hmm. by Degrees, and I have a short story coming out called Trouble in Paradise, cool. which is a rip on Honey Boo Boo. <laughs> oh, is
1: it? Oh, good. It's You're a, taking on reality television culture? <laughs> I mean, we, just,
5: we can't resist. But why not? Yeah, it's very good. right, It's fair game. And then Killer Ambition comes out in June, and that the book Killer Ambition actually takes they go to trial and that one's based in Hollywood and it's a director and all that stuff mhm so but i can deliver the experience of actually reading trial transcripts of what goes on in courtrooms today so it's current yeah. and so that's worth it right um and i don't i don't miss going to court anymore
0: you don't. how does no. how does court As you've experienced it actually in court and as you know it to be, compare to the way that we depict court on – I noticed somebody has posted a video of maybe Nuts. I think that's – is that from Nuts, Caleb? Anyway, I'm guessing. It's Barbara Streisand on trial. But how does the way that we depict in movies and on television the court experience compare to the actuality of court?
5: It's always a parody in its own way, even if it doesn't mean to be. And it's got to be truncated. Obviously, it's got to be so much shorter. So you don't get to show all of the kinds of... Um, interplay that happens, I think what you miss in on television is the interplay that's very subtle between the glances between the prosecution and defense. Like, I'll know that I'm coming up to a question on cross-examination that is going to hurt the defense and I'm going to be watching them to see if they're like being a little inattentive so that I can get through most of the questions <laughs> before we get the objection. <laughs> Things, you know, you miss the subtleties of that kind of thing. Is there
0: and, anybody who does a particularly good job of capturing it, do you think? The best I ever
5: saw was Law & Order, the original series. Really? really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, they really, not just what happens in the courtroom, although they did that well, but also the way cases get processed through the system, the way they get investigated right. and then they go to the DA, the most the procedural accurate.
0: procedural aspect of it. They
5: really have it right. They wow! Really did well, now that, yeah. that's
0: that's yeah. a surprise. So Perry Mason really not on the scale. At all.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Perry Mason and the DA was always a dork. Right. <laughs> <I hate> <laughs> hamburger. hamburger. <laughs> they called him hamburger. How much worse right. did it get than that? It's right? Yeah. Bad, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Hi, my name's Chopped Liver. <laughs> I'll be your prosecutor. <laughs> so yeah, no. That's it's it's not it's not generally you know realistic. I'm actually hoping that somebody will. Try to go back to doing it and doing it the real way because it's more interesting. The more you get it right with these kind of procedurals, you know, whether it's law or medical or whatever it is on television, mm-hmm. the more authentic you are. I think the more interesting you are, and people can feel it even if they don't know. They may not know exactly what feels wrong or what feels off, but they'll have a sense of something that has authenticity. Right. I think that's true in books too. Right. Right, Chris. I mean, you write about stuff that you have either researched very well or experienced. Because when I read your stuff, it's it feels like I'm there. It feels like you're mm. there. It. Feels Feels real, And even though I know it's fiction, you know, it, the real feeling underneath it, Carrie, is what gives it more mm-hmm. excitement. You know? Absolutely.
1: Right. It gives you the ability to make choices if you know your world. You can tell when a writer's only researched along one very narrow track. And to give it back to you before we say goodbye to you for the evening, it's not always easy to have all the information and still tell a good story. A yeah. lot of procedurals are very stiff and dull, but you know how to do both, which is why I loved reading your books. Thank you and, so much. Um, Marcia, thank, thank you for I we love want to encourage people to can do. Can we
5: mention your books? I mean, do you... Sure.
1: Oh, I mentioned my books all the okay, time. Okay,
5: good.
0: <laughs> Don't worry. And we <laughs> mention Eric's their, book all the both time. Both of their books, yeah. as well as mine, That's
1: are available it. on the all store page of thedinnerpartyshow.com. The, the, dinner party show. the store page, and if you support our affiliates, you are supporting the show Which as well. we very much appreciate. Also, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Absolutely. Also
0: a good support.
1: Marcia, thank you so much for thank filling you. in. It was my pleasure. It was Always great to have you back. It was a great excuse. Thanks for being the nice surprised guest. And now we have a. Another installment of our PSA series, Best Served Warm.
0: And now, in keeping with the Dinner Party Show's commitment to community enrichment, it's time for another in our ongoing series of public service announcements featuring the people who make the Dinner Party Show what it is Best Served Warm.
2: Hi, I'm Jordan Ampersand, and this is Best Served Warm. Are you one of the many Americans who suffers from judgmental friends constantly telling you you have a drinking problem when really you don't, you just like to have fun and you're only 23, so who cares anyway? If so, it's time you found the courage to find the friends who don't have the courage to tell you what you're really doing. Getting drunk a lot is as American as apple pie and 9-11. It helps relieve tensions and stressor muscles that will make you look old if you don't relax them periodically. And drinking is only hard on your liver when you're older and fat. And fat, not because of drinking, but because you always stuff your face with ding-dongs and Taco Bell every time you thought about the last guy who dumped you because you didn't know who was vice president at that exact moment. Or maybe that's just me. I mean, the part about the guy dumping me, not the old and fat part. I'm hot. Nine out of ten grinder users agree. Drinking is really important if you're young because it helps you meet new people and it helps you not look old. Also, it can really help you sing and be better at bowling. So if you have people in your life who don't support your drinking or think you should just drink a lot of GHB instead, it's time to stick up for yourself and kick them to the curb. Because if you want to end up in the gutter now and then, that's your right. And if you want some company while you're there, that's your right too. I'm Jordan Ampersand, and this is Best Served Warm.
1: Jordan Ampersand. Jordan is going to be here next week for a very special episode of the Dinner Party Show.
0: Special, yeah. That depends on how we're defining the term special.
1: I think you guys are really going to have a new coming together next week because of jury duty, which I was discussing earlier with our legal expert, Marsha Clark. Uh, we are doing something very special next week. It's called The J Show, which stands for Jordan, Jury Duty, and Jonell Sams. We'll have the best of uh, Jonell Sams' special relationship advice. It's so hard to decide which advice is really the uh, best, I, isn't it? No, I don't think so, really. I don't think that's hard at all. <laughs> I don't think that's hard at all. So, But anyway, Jordan will be in the co-host chair with you next week. Which is really... I, do we have Can a booster seat? you have a positive seat? attitude about it? <laughs> he, no, we don't have a booster seat. He's 5'2". He's not that short. So we'll just chop your microphone down. Okay. You would, you'll find a way to make it work. You'll find a way to make it work. And then after the Jay Show... Again, work. We will be having a very special episode, a second very special episode of the Dinner Party Show on Super Bowl Sunday. We will be presenting the Finger Bowl.
0: Right. We want to give a finger to the uh, advertising... <laughs> Adverti- uh, special advertisers here on the Dinner Party Show to recognize them in their fields of excellence.
1: Absolutely. They will be competing for the best ad of the Dinner Party Show. And... Uh, we- yeah, I, I always...
0: The, the, the birthplace of the show, this idea for the show, the Fingerball Show, is that every year I record on my TiVo the uh, Super Bowl, which is apparently a football game that will be on that Sunday um, probably around the same time that we're on. So, you know... Um, we're hoping that you'll still tune in, but if not, it's available not, on iPod.
1: Absolutely. And but,
0: I always, after I record the show, then I go back and speed through the football and watch the commercials. To find out which movie part.
1: in the next summer is going to blow up the White House in some way. That's what you find out during the Super Bowl. Mostly. We will be back with a two-hour live cast on February 10th, I believe it is, is the date. That's after the Super wow. Bowl. Wow, his eyes got really big. I have <laughs>
0: absolutely no idea. Doing
1: math live on the air that I didn't really follow all the way
0: through. Well, let's see. Let's actually look at the calendar and see so that we're including people in fairly. Um, there's um, this month, and let's look at February. <laughs> How
1: long is this going to take? Welcome to another episode yes. of How Long is This Going to Take with the the Eric Shaw Quinn. The 10th. I think it's February 10th. Right? Because, yeah, yeah, next Sunday is
0: the Jay Show, and then the Sunday after that is February 3rd or something. Absolutely.
1: And Patricia Nell Warren, who was not able to join us tonight because she's battling a cold, will be with us on February 17th. Oh, That's our second show Oh, we've already got that February. worked out. Yeah, That's we've great. we've already got that worked
0: out. Well, she will have kicked that cold's ass
1: long before Absolutely. that, if I know Patricia. Absolutely. And that is all we have, believe it or not. Well, it's all we're going to say on the air. We'll probably keep talking oh, as we walk out always. of the studio, because we're always talking. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you've been listening to The Dinner Party Show. Thanks.